We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Today, our guest is Dina Heron, Executive Director of Girls Inc. of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. Since January 2015, she has led the Philadelphia based affiliate, experiencing revenue growths from 200,000 to over 1.3 million, increasing staff from three to 17. And the number of girls served has grown from 1,200 to 3,000. She finds it to be a great privilege and honor to be part of the Girls Inc. family, inspiring all girls to be strong, smart, and bold. Dina began her career as a political risk analyst for Cigna in Philadelphia, New York, and London, and ultimately served as the vice president of international marketing. She's volunteered at several nonprofits, including she serves as the president of the board of trustees of Congregation Rodolf Shalom, the largest Jewish congregation in Philadelphia. She has three degrees from Penn, including an undergrad and master's degree in political science and an MBA from Wharton. Dina is a proud longtime resident of Philadelphia, where she lives with her husband and has raised two children. Welcome to ROG, Dina. Thank you, Shannon. It's good to be with you. Uh, it's great to be with you, too. So tell us a little bit more about Girls, Inc. Girls, Inc. is a national organization, and our mission is to inspire all girls to be strong, smart, and bold. In partnership with schools and at our Girls, Inc. Center, we focus on the development of the whole girl. She learns to value herself, take risks, and discover and develop her inherent strength. The combination of long-lasting mentoring relationships, a pro-girl environment, and research-based programming equips girls to navigate gender, economic, and social barriers in order to grow up healthy, educated, and independent. Informed by girls and their families, we also advocate for legislation and policies to increase opportunities for all, all girls. Girls Inc. of Greater Philadelphia in Southern New Jersey normally serves over 3,000 girls annually at approximately 31 locations, including schools, the Juvenile Justice Services Center, shelters, and at our center. That's incredible. Thank you for the work that you do and the ways that you support these young women. And the work itself is generous work. But what are some ways that you have noticed generosity at work? Well, first of all, it's my staff. They are all about the why. They do this work because they care so deeply about the girls and young women we serve. Most of our participants come from the region's most under-resourced communities, and our staff wake up every day determined to make sure that these girls see their potential and have the skills and tools to dream big and achieve their goals. And I have to say that the way that they've responded to this pandemic has just been incredible. Within two weeks of the school's closing, we were up and running virtually. They launched a YouTube learning channel with tons of recorded videos addressing all the programs we offer. 
and live virtual programs six days a week for the girls so that they have places to check in and they're still getting their STEM education and their healthy decision-making education as well. They've hosted virtual advocacy summits um, and we've had over 30 career exploration programs online as well, including a construction camp during the summer. So they have just stepped up in ways I cannot imagine. They also have been creating um, kits and care packages for girls. They've delivered over 700, uh, including personal care products, grocery gift cards for families. They reached out to see who needed additional technology and went to their homes and dropped off tablets, as well as supplies to support the online learning that they were doing. So they've just been amazing. And then, yeah. And then I would say our interns and volunteers, we have about 60 college interns and hundreds of volunteers each year. They serve as facilitators, mentors, and career exploration hosts. Without the commitment of their generosity of time and talent, we would not be able to do this work. And then a third area, I guess, is around our donors, large and small individuals, foundations, and corporations. We do not charge our participants or the schools and shelters where we serve them for our programs or for the supplies, technology, food, transportation that are needed to support the programs. And so we're largely dependent upon the generosity of our donors and the government, government agencies that support us. Wow. So, you know, you started off by talking about your staff and how they're so committed to the why and the purpose and the work that they just figure it out. They do what it takes. They just pivoted in this crazy pandemic time and said, let me figure out how can we still support our participants? How can we do something creative, starting the YouTube channel. I mean, that just shows their resourcefulness and the empowerment that they feel from you, that they are encouraged to do whatever it takes to support the team. And I love how you were saying how they have to shift so that everybody can dream big and achieve their goals. So everything is about supporting these young women. And then when you talked about the interns and volunteers and and all of the people that have, have been supporting the work for so many years, has that changed in the pandemic, like how have you seen a shift in participation from people in, in a virtual world? We've actually seen more, which is really quite amazing. So we continue to have high demand for our internship programs, which are real internship programs. College students receive a ton of training. They're facilitating programs. Most of them get course credit for working with us. But because we're doing that virtually as well, we're recruiting from far-flung locations. We had been working with about 10 different universities, mainly Temple is always our largest feeder, but many others. Now we have participants from universities in Pittsburgh and upstate New York. And so we our reach has really expanded as has program participation. So we have girls and young women coming to our programs now from a much broader region than just the greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey region. Same thing with our corporate volunteers. We, uh, career exploration is a large part of what we do, but again, because these have been virtual, we've been having much larger programs uh, and we've been working with corporate and university partners in New York as well as are in the Philadelphia region. 
That's incredible. So you've had a really robust career. You've had different roles in corporations, and now you've been the executive director for many years. What are some examples of how you've seen generosity in your own career? I've been given some pretty extraordinary opportunities in my career. I started as a political risk analyst and underwriter when I was 22. And when I was 24, my boss, who when I look back, I think he must have been crazy, sent me to London to open up the political risk underwriting department for the corporation there with $10 million of underwriting authority. It's 24. And London, particularly the city of London where I was working, I was not only the youngest person in every room, I was the only woman in every room. So I thought that was extremely courageous and generous of him. I think that the board of trustees at Rota Shalom um, agreeing to let me the president of that congregation, again, probably the youngest and one of only three women in the over 200-year-old history. I really thought that I, you know, I was scared to death. I didn't know what I knew, I guess. But they had faith in me and they, the previous presidents were incredibly supportive and the board was supportive. And I just learned an enormous amount through that, through that opportunity. It was obviously unpaid volunteer, but full-time job for three years. But as a result of that, I learned about nonprofit management and I learned about fundraising. I led a very large capital campaign while I was president there with lots of support from co-chairs. But as a result of that experience, I developed skills that enabled me to take on leadership of a nonprofit. And again, I think the board of trustees was courageous to hire me because I had never led a nonprofit as a paid professional. And it's very different than me in leadership and for profit. So I suppose that they saw my commitment to the mission and felt that my skill set was transferable. Um, and so very generously and courageously, again, gave me the opportunity. Oh, that's amazing. Gosh, I'm so grateful that they did that. And the way that you have just really leaned into that role and learned everything and become such an icon in the Philadelphia community is truly incredible. And I love that story about your early career. It took you being strong, smart, and bold to accept that mission. And it took the generosity of your leader to recognize your potential and put you in that position. And then I also love the example about the volunteer work that you've done at the Jewish congregation in Philadelphia, where you were really just trying to be generous. And then this whole other opportunity presented itself and you were willing to step up into it. So I think those are great examples too, of that strong, smart, and bold mission. Where do you see generosity at work within the Girls Inc. organization? I would be remiss if I didn't give a specific shout out to Natasha Andrews, who is our director of programs and community engagement. She's been with Girls Inc. for about 23 years now. She is Ms. Girls Inc. Without her, none of this happens. I see my job as getting the resources together to make it possible for her to do her job because she does the real work. So just her phenomenal commitment, not just to the girls and young women in the region, but to her staff, to her interns. She has she just created extraordinary opportunities for so many women. What I love about this, Tina, is the gratitude. You have so much gratitude for Natasha. So what are some of the things that you recognize about Natasha that you want to acknowledge? You know, she's sort of fearless and she really doesn't care if 
something that she does doesn't work out perfectly. It's all about trying. She's very creative. Let's just give this a shot. If it doesn't work, we'll try something else. And I think it was that attitude that made her team so successful in pivoting during COVID. We have looked around at some other nonprofits who have just really, really struggled during this period. And it is because of her success and their creativity and her fearlessness. Not only have we been successful with our programs, but we are able to showcase those. And that has led to some phenomenal funding opportunities during this period as well. So um, those are some of the things that I admire about her. And I just consider her my greatest partner in this work. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. I see such a close correlation between gratitude and generosity. And you've just described that so beautifully with Natasha's example. So you've spoken about your donors, any donor in particular who has had a standout impact on Girls Inc. or you personally? Absolutely. We, well, we have many extraordinary donors, um, but we have one private donor who is a child struggled terribly with reading, but he managed with exceptional determination and perseverance to build with his wife a very successful business. And when they learned about the work we were doing in early grade literacy, they were determined to help us grow that program. You know, in Philadelphia, less than 40% of fourth graders are reading at grade level. But with the support of this donor, we're able to help hundreds of children learn to love reading every year. Um, And if you come to our annual celebration, this event uh, this year, which will be virtual on June 2nd, you can hear this donor story. Oh, terrific. Thank you for that. Yes. And I want everyone to know about that annual event that you have coming up on June 2nd. We'll make sure that the information's in the show notes so that we can register to attend because it's always a feel good event. So you're the greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey region. What is it like to be an affiliate and who are some of the people in that affiliation that you really appreciate? The Girls Inc. is a network of 83 independent affiliates across the U.S. and Canada. And we do have a national headquarters is in New York and our research and training centers are in Indianapolis. Um, So we get enormous support from the national organization. They do the research around our programs. They help us develop the outcomes measurement tools, for example. Um, So that's enormous amount of support that we get from them. So we don't have to create our own branding, for example, or our own programs. We work on delivering them. So that makes us much more efficient. Um, But my affiliate sisters, the affiliate leaders from the other 82 Girls Inks around the U.S. and Canada uh, is just a sisterhood of support that I rely upon daily to provide advice and tools and encouragement. We collaborate with each other. We support each other, um, and it, I, it really is an extraordinary strength of the organization. And when we come back, Dina will share with us the return on generosity. Introducing the brand new QuadPod Podcast Network. We're adding new podcasts every day. Visit qodpod.com and meet our podcasters. 
That's QODPOD.com. And we're back with more from Dina Heron. So Dina, what are some of the ways that you see the benefits or the return on generosity? I know that we don't give just to get, but the fact is there is so much reward that comes from being generous. What are some of the ways that you've identified the benefits? The importance of giving back is both the most generous and most selfish thing you can do. It ends up that by lifting others, you lift yourself. And I can tell you one thing that I've seen change a lot over the last certainly 10 years, but even more so in the last couple of years, is that there is an expectation that rising stars and corporations are sharing the sense of community responsibility that their employers are now exhibiting. It is that philanthropy, that corporate giving, both of time and of funds, that is top of mind of corporations. And they expect their employees to be doing the same. That is not something that I saw when I was coming up in the late 80s and 90s. Yeah. What do you think that's attributed to? What is your hunch is the reason for that? I think it makes, I think it's a couple of things. I, I think that there is just an overwhelming desire to give back now. I think that corporate leaders understand that um, their constituents, their customers are expecting more of them than just products. They're expecting them to engage in the communities from which they are benefiting. Lead by example, participate, get engaged. Don't just talk about doing good, do good. Be be a part of the solution. That's so important. And I would add to that, that, that as they are looking at their rising stars and what they're doing around philanthropy, they're looking for real engagement. They're not looking for that annual $20 gift. They're looking for them to be making commitments, participating on boards or in committees and really taking leadership positions. And um, it's just fascinating to me. And I, I, one of the ways that we've witnessed this is how many people approach us now to be on our board or our advisory board, or, you know, how else can I engage with you? And it's because one, they care, they care about our mission. Um, That's why they picked us, but they also understand that it's going to be good for their career. Yes. Yeah. I so agree with that. And I believe that the future of leadership is generosity. I think that's going to be the characteristic that people value the most. And I appreciate you saying that you've seen such an uptick in engagement and interest and how to get involved. And like you said, it's, it's a selfish thing to do. It's you do it because you care, but you get so much benefit. What are some of the things that you hear from the staff and the volunteers and the donors about how they feel when they get involved with Girls Inc.? I think it's a real perspective setter for many of them. Um, And they, they appreciate that. I don't think that many people realize, particularly of our corporate volunteers, many of them can't imagine what some of the public schools we're working in are looking like, or you know, the resources that our constituents don't have, you know, our program participants, the fact that there might be a few people in a household working on a cell phone, that's how they're going to school. So I think that they appreciate that as a perspective setter. 
and they feel good that they may have excited somebody about career possibilities that they never would have known about otherwise. I mean, we have partnerships, for example, with the National Association of Women in Construction. We do a camp with them. And so we have girls who are thinking about going into the trade. They would never have been exposed to that before. And many of our large corporate partners, just being able to take these girls into the workplace for these employees to be able to share the possibilities of what it's like to go to work in a place like that every day in these gorgeous corporate buildings, these you know, lovely lunch rooms. <laughs> it really, uh, they appreciate that. You've heard stories of how it's made the person doing the giving feel, and you know how it's making the, the participants feel. So it's just such a win-win situation. So when you've talked about the generosity of your staff and your volunteers and people who have had this meaningful impact, there's also the, the work you're doing, the why, as you referred to earlier, about how you're reducing that systemic barrier that's making it so difficult for some people to realize their potential. Who are the, the recipients that you say benefit most from the work that you do? The girls we serve are between five and 18 years old. And in fact, we are in the process, Girls Inc. nationally, of expanding that age group so that so that the girls are with us through their first post-secondary experience as well because one of the things that we discovered is we might be able to help them cross that first hurdle first in the family to go to college but they're really not equipped yet to be there by themselves so we're going to stick with them a little bit longer they are um 80 of our girls are from philadelphia and camden's lowest income communities 90 percent are girls of color um, most will be the first in their families to, to go to college. Um, so what we help them do is figure out the strategies to overcome the systemic barriers. And we, our mission, as I said, and to inspire girls to be strong, smart, and bold are also our outcomes. So all of our programs are about three things, healthy decision-making, academic enrichment, and life skills instruction. That is strong, smart, and bold. And what really differentiates us is this holistic approach we take. We're not just doing a one-week coding course or one week in something else, which are all important and all good, but our approach is very deep and over many years. And what I like to say sometimes is just that, you know, a girl may love to code, but if she gets pregnant, or if she doesn't have the confidence to walk into an AP math class full of boys, or if she gets suspended for fighting, well, it's going to be a lot harder for her to be successful in that coding career that she loves. That's why we look at this very holistically, and we address all those areas in their lives, and that's how we help them deal with these systemic barriers that are around all three areas, health, academic enrichment, and life skills. So helpful. Yeah, you're right. When you look at the the goal of the career and then you say, okay, so here are some of the things that could get in the way, you know, not having the skills, not having the confidence. And then you say, okay, wait, there's all these other things that could happen in someone's life that could prohibit them from doing the thing that they're designed to do, the talent that they've been given. And you're trying to hit it from all the angles. And I also appreciate the depth of the relationship that you build with them and that it ha has a sustainable 
um, longevity, that you stick with them and you build that community so that they know they're not alone, even if they physically are alone or they emotionally feel alone, they know they're a part of your family. It's a completely non-judgmental sisterhood of support. And that's why, again, during the pandemic, that has been such an important part of what we're doing because we have weekly check-ins with our girls. Just, you know, drop in. Are you okay? Is there anything you need to share? For those of us who are feeling this way about even people in our own teams, maybe we haven't felt that we're really close with members of our team or we recognize somebody's struggling in some way. What are some of the things that you've witnessed in your work with the girls and the participants that you think transfers to all kinds of leadership? You know, anyone who cares about people could practice these pretty simple techniques that you find really effective. Again, I'm going to give a shout out to Natasha here because she has just built an infrastructure of check-ins that has sort of permeated all of our lives. So we have staff check-ins. Those are happening all the time, um, either one-on-one or as a group. Her team has had celebrations for various events that they've planned virtually for birthdays and uh, work anniversaries. And then just doing the exact same thing for, for our girls. Again, making sure that you know these town hall meetings are happening weekly, that they have somewhere where they know that they can go. Um, and if necessary, they're a lot more than weekly. So the girls sort of help determine, if you want to meet four days a week? Well, we'll find you. We'll be there. So I think that just that check-in, making sure that you're checking in with the people and you know, your, your family, your staff, your friends. Yeah, reaching out, checking in, sending a text, getting on a call. All of those things matter. And that's the way you can really know how is someone doing and do they need more from me? Do they need some encouragement? Do they just need somebody to listen to them? Maybe they need to problem solve about something. What is a favorite quote or a mantra or a motto that you have that you could share with us? Strong, smart, and bold. You know, it's the girl's admission, but it's also a guiding principle for me. I just have to reiterate, you can't live your life focused on only one of those qualities because they are all interrelated. In order to be successful, you need to do all three. You need to make healthy decisions about your body. You need to exercise your mind. And you need to develop the confidence and resilience to face life's challenges. So helpful for all of us to think about it, almost like a triad, right? How well am I doing in these three areas? Am I being strong? Am I taking care of myself? Am I being smart? What could I learn? How could I see this differently? How can I challenge myself? And then the boldness and that confidence and the self-esteem and how that's so important. Are there any strategies that you have implemented that you find really works in your own life and that you've also seen work in the lives of the girls that you serve? Fake it till you make it. I mean, there are, like most women and many men, I have faced imposter syndrome and I just keep plugging through until I say, you know what? You're not an imposter. Yeah. Fake it till you make it. And then one day you're like, wait, I made it. I'm here. I did it. (laughs) What are ways that people can volunteer and participate in what you're doing? So there are lots of ways. College students, again, can apply to be interns in our program. Um, And we have many other volunteer opportunities from career exploration, book buddies, mentors. So if you reach out to me. So those of you 
who want to connect online, the website is girlsincpa-nj.org. So the word girlsincpa-nj.org. Subscribe for the newsletter. It's, it's terrific. It's so enlightening. It's inspiring the work that's going on. It gives us ideas on things that we can do and ways that we can help. And then also register for the annual event on June 2nd. Well, Dina, thank you for investing your time and energy with us and sharing about your mission and your perspective on generosity at work. Dana, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. ROG takeaway tip, how to apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. Dina and her team, their volunteers, and all Girls Inc. chapters make such a difference. She gave us three things that we all need to make healthy decisions about being strong, smart, and bold. A triad, three equally important things for us to keep in mind. Number one, your body, fitness, wellness, sleep, hydration. How well are you taking care of yourself? Number two, your mind, creativity, innovation, focus, problem solving. How free and open versus cluttered and congested is your mind? And number three, your boldness, confidence, resilience, courage, and influence. How well do you use your voice, bounce back, and instigate change? Know your strength and take the lead. Next week's guest is Matt Zalesko, Chief Technology Officer at Comcast Corporation. Until then, stay generous, everyone. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.